The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's that time again for the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm your host, Laura Villada from singleinthecity.ca. So what's your happiness level these days? I think we can all use an extra dose of happiness right now, especially during these cold winter months. We know that happiness can predict health and longevity, but happiness isn't something that just happens to you. They say that everyone has the power to make small changes in their behavior, surroundings, and relationships that can help set you on a course for a happy Happier life. Tonight, we are going to discuss ways to increase our internal happiness and happiness within our relationships so that we can live a better and more satisfying life. Sitting in with me today on the show is my good friend, Joan Kelly Walker. She's back. Woo! Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. I know. It's yeah. like before Christmas. I know. It's crazy. But I'm here. And you lost I'm your here voice. And I'm very happy to be here. I'm so happy yes, to see you. And I have my voice now. Yeah. It's and good. although you loved that voice. It was actually pretty this is good. Pretty sexy. She said she was listening to herself, and she's like, "Yeah, mm, we listened back. back to the show, and we <laughs> taped two shows that day, so I had two shows with the the rasp." <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest today is Haley Patry. She's a true happiness coach, a major uh, marriage mentor, and the award-winning author of Happy Love. Haley is a happily married mom of three, and she's overcome more than 30 years of trauma before finding her happy love. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. Great to be with you, Joan. Thanks for having me, ladies. And uh, Haley, I really want to thank you so much for bringing us a copy of this book. I really can't wait to read it. Uh, you've written other books. I want to yes. hear more about that. But I also want to know, why did you write this one, Happy Love? Happy Love was really a labor of love. It takes the whole process I do with my private couples that I'm doing their marriage coaching. And I put it in a book because last year I was going through some neurological health challenges. I had a brain virus a few years ago, actually almost passed from toxic shock syndrome funny other story that's not so funny. Um, and last year, as a professional speaker and author, it's kind of scary when you lose your words. So I couldn't I spell. I lose my words now. <laughs> can't imagine. This was bad, ladies. I introduced myself under the wrong name at an event. I couldn't write. I was starting to lose speech, having major, major head pain. And I went through a lot of testing. I was a stroke risk last year. How does that just happen? Oh, That's it, scary. It built up, but I wrote the book in case I couldn't work anymore. I wanted couples to have my whole process in case I couldn't be the one to take them through it. I wanted couples to just be able to pick up the book and say, all right, what do we got to do? And I put everything in there. And how were you over, mm. uh, able to overcome those challenges? Thank goodness I've been cleared. No bleed, no growth, no cancer, 
clean bill of brain Yay. health right now. Yes. Uh, and it was all about reprioritizing happiness. I, my husband was a stay-at-home dad, five and a half years. I had a mountain of financial pressure on me, raising three little kids, holding down too much of the fort. Um, and last year, I just had to take it back to the basics. And did, did, hmm. did that change your opinion about your husband at all, having him stay home? Because I know a lot of women wouldn't like that. I grew up in an Italian household, and like the man goes to work. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. I am not going to lie. Uh, he lost his job when I was pregnant with our middle one, and we had to make a decision. Which one of us is going to be more fun and do better Supermans, and which one of us is better at making money? And we decided he'd stay home. I would amp up my practice. And as long as he's good in bed, we're good to go, He is right? very good in bed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's listening, so he'll be very happy tonight. And in terms of the opinion on him, it's really sexy to see a man be an awesome father. It is also a little hard when they're no longer a provider financially. And so it took some work. You know, we had to balance out our roles, who we were in the marriage, and we had to write the whole darn thing, but we did. You're saying so much here. I'm, I'm still <laughs> stuck in the toxic shock, shock syndrome and the neurological things. Um, so how did you actually get through that? Uh, the like toxic if somebody's shock? feeling so bogged down because they have a, a, the weight of the world on their shoulders for whatever reasons, I, th I think that's like the crux of it. How do you actually say, okay, here's the problem, here are solutions, here's what works for me. How do you work through that? It's one mantra and it's so easy to remember. You got to ask yourself this question, is this event in my life to make me or break me? And that's the decision of whether we're going to stay in victim mode and suffering and go downhill or whether we're going to use this horrible, awful thing and make some better life after. And that's my attitude for trauma, whether it's been rape or cancer or divorce or childhood depression, any of those things. I clearly believe they're in my life to make me. And what is this hmm. lesson that we're learning? Right. There's always it's a lesson choice. to be learned, I think, too, at the end of it. Yeah, it's when, when adversity is upon us, whether it's in our own life, with our family, or in our relationships, if we think it's here to break us, insets the suffering, takes a lot longer, if ever, to get over it, the bitterness sets in. But if we can look at adversity and say, okay, this is here to make me. Some of us have been through divorce on the show here. So if a divorce is here to make you, well, you're going to raise your relationship standards. You're going to do a ton of self-work. Mm -hmm. You're going to totally rejig your priorities. You're going to make a better life because of going through that really crappy event. Uh, and that's how I've gotten through that illness as well as everything. The decision, this is here to make me. What's the lesson I'm supposed to learn? What have I not been taking good care of? What about myself have I not been taking good enough care of? And it's just rejigging, coming back to, I got to get back in balance. I got to put myself first. We're talking about the pursuit of happiness here on the Dating and Relationship Show. We need to take a break, ladies. We'll be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, and Joan Kelly Walker's back. I'm yes, so excited. Thank you. you look beautiful, by the way. Thank Not you. that you never thank did, you. but today especially, maybe because I've missed you. Well, it's really the first time that I've been out in 2020. So this is, this is yes, like a big deal for me. And you had something happen to you yes. that, uh, you know, 
was not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's why and I'm, I'm so not excited sure if you want to, to talk hear, about it here. I do, I do. And I was so excited to hear that Haley was here to talk about happiness and how you get your internal happiness. And um, just to share with everyone. You said I everyone, need a little dose of happiness I right do. now. I do. I think we all do too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but for me, it was sort of like an external thing that happened that affected me greatly. And it affected me more than I even realized. And uh, it's the first time I'm talking about this publicly. Uh, but I know she wouldn't mind. Uh, my dear mother had a massive stroke. And, you know, in one hand, you're sort of mourning. Well, I was mourning her loss of independence and um, realizing the level of frustration that would go along with that. And I'm an empathetic person, but mm-hmm. anybody's going to empathize if all of a sudden you can't talk or move or communicate or, you know, any of those. You can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. Like those things are are horrible, horrible things to happen. Um, and, you know, with strokes, you can get better. My mom is now communicating, which is great. She can talk, which is great. So I've been spending a lot of energy really focusing on, okay, what are the blessings here? Let me find any blessing. She survived, number one. Number two, she can talk and is getting a little better. There's there's other deficits that are really concerning. Um, but this is something that people deal with all the time, whether it's they get fired from their work or their boyfriend dumps them or something. It's like an external thing. Is that different? Like you were saying, Haley, you have to find your own happiness first before you can be happy with someone else. And I totally get that. But like, what about those external things that are kind of inflicted on us that are so devastating? We The key is that we've got to design our new normal. Otherwise, we're going to grieve the loss of life as we knew it before, especially if we're going to go into a caregiver role. You know, having a parent Which that I had never well. done, which is the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, girl, you did. You've got kids. Yeah. Okay, okay. We just plan on it, and we've got seven to nine months to know it's coming if we're having children. We know we're about to be a caregiver. It's different when parents suddenly fall ill, uh, but it's the same. you got to design a new normal. If you bring three babies into the world or have two parents to take care of, it's going to be different than when those things weren't present. And so we, we're allowed to grieve. We're allowed to be angry at the timing. We're allowed to be frustrated. We're allowed to look at all the things that will have to change and make our peace with it. But if we stay there, that's where it's unhealthy. Instead, we want to say, okay, new normal. How am I going to make my best case scenario out of this worst case scenario? And how are we going to make it a win-win for all people involved? We're definitely going to be spending more time with that family member than we were when they were well we're definitely going to cut the fluff out of our schedule. You know, we're going to trim the fat on things that weren't the best use of our time, weren't the best use of your gifts or your interests, and you get a chance for yourself to reprioritize what matters Mm -hmm. the most. Yeah, that's been happening loud and clear, and I just put everything on hold, and I have to say that was really freeing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then there's this, this balance shift where I'm spending all my time with my mom and that's not really fair to my family so you have to find like you have to let the balance come back again so that so that I feel like okay I'm looking after my kids still and my husband and my you know my friendships and some work but I'm still there in a caregiver role so that's that's a really tough word is the design the new normal not just fall into autopilot of expected normal but design your new normal, given the new responsibilities. How can that best work in your in your schedule, but still blocking the time for you, blocking time for your love, blocking time for your kids, blocking time for your meaningful work or your community work, and then blocking out when can you be there as caregiver, 
But it's equally as powerful to know when can't you be there? Mm -hmm. There are so many resources, you know, regardless of a family's financial access, there are so many resources to assist us in caring for those that we love. Right. Now, sorry, I just want to ask about your other books, because this book, Happy Love, that you brought us today, thank you very much, um, is more designed for couples. Yes. What about um, just happiness outside of that? What are your other books about? The first two books were published by my dear friend Randy Goodman, and they're part of a series called Empowering Women. I know Women. Randy. Yeah. I should have been part of that book. You but. should have been, Laura. You can be part of the next one. <laughs> uh, Empowering Women to Succeed is a collection of close to 20 women who have each overcome seemingly unsurmountable odds, um, including one of the authors, her father murdered her mother when she was a child. Some oh of them goodness. have overcome war, infertility, abuse, Uh, every kind of heartache. It's the tales of women who went through crap, claimed they're happy, and they're loving their life now. Uh, And so the stories in there are all true, and all the women uh, are phenomenal. The third book uh, was published by my friend Raymond Harlal, and it's a collection of close to 20 doctors, holistic practitioners, and then me as the weirdo. And it's called The Handbook to Holistic Health. So I talk about overcoming depression and trauma without medication. Uh, some of the other authors talk about overcoming cancer, diabetes. How did you mm. overcome that without <laughs> medication? Yeah, Let's one. talk about that now while we're on the subject. So I grew up with parents who did, as anyone does, the best they can with what they've got at the time. Uh, but my childhood was a very loud and often sad place. So at the age of eight, I started an eight-year battle with anorexia and depression. And at 16, I tried to take my life twice. And for those eight years, I was very much in the victim mindset that my life was here to break me. And so I was just under the steamroller, totally at the effect of the abuse and the challenges. But something amazing happened. When I was 17, it got a little worse. I was attacked uh, very violently, which led to cervical cancer and multiple reproductive, reconstructive surgeries. And that most awful event is the day I woke up to say, you know what, these things are in my life to make me. I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to go through these things and then figure out how you get out of the dark. How do you get back to good? And at 17, I shared it with over 2,000 teenagers, my story. And I told them that if they had no one to talk to, they could come and talk to me. And I started running group coaching circles with no training. Uh, So I've really used my life as a training ground to look at adversity in the eyes and say, okay, what are you here to teach me? Who am I going to go help after? That's so amazing. I'm getting all welled up here. (laughs) We need to take a break, though. We're talking about finding your true happiness right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. We've got so much more coming up, so stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night, and I'm your host, Laura Bilotta, and joining me tonight again, and she hasn't been here in a while, is Joan Kelly Walker from The Real Housewives of Toronto. Happy to be here. Woo-woo! And uh, a true happiness coach is here, Haley Patrick. Hi. So great to be with you, ladies. I know, you're so Thank sweet. You. Look at that smile. <laughs> she's got like a smile from one year to the She's exuding the happiness. Yeah, she's wearing red and it's like... I had so many kids sleeping in my bed last night. I actually have a lot of my own space in the station, so this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have this question now. So does 
does our pursuit of happiness really make us happy? So some of us are always in the pursuit of happiness to try and reach the ultimate happiness. But once we achieve what we set out to do, we're still not happy. So I'll give you an example. Uh, you might be looking for a relationship and then you, fi- you find this relationship, the relationship of your dreams. And then, you know, a year down the road, you're like, okay, I'm not happy. I'm happy in this relationship, but I'm just not happy anymore. Or uh, once I get my degree, I'm going to be so happy. And then you get the degree and you're just, you're just not happy. Mm. So you nailed you- this one, Laura. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You really called out the elephant in the room with happiness because no the pursuit it doesn't make us happy and it's not just women but women especially we're not that great at self-celebration we never stop along the path of striving to say good job sister you've been working really hard at this and look how far you've come already we're sort of in that never enough complex where even when we do get that one thing And by the way, one thing won't make us happy. Uh, But when we do get that thing, we're right away rolling into the next goal and the next one. And we never look at ourselves and say, you crushed that girl. That was amazing. But here's the problem. We have it backwards. The formula for happiness isn't when I have X, then I'll do the things happy people do. And then I'll be a happy woman. No, it's be a happy person, learn the skills and tools because they're totally learnable. Do the things that happy people do, and then you'll have the life that happy people have. And it probably has very little to do with the perfect job or the perfect relationships. Because the truth is, yeah, and it's right in the book, there's 12 things that make up our personal happiness. And they include your health and body, your family and friends, your romance and love life, whether it's with yourself or someone else. Your sleep, your energy. Sleep. Yes. Mm. Your vibration. One. Your mental health, your home life, your home location, fun, personal growth, your money, your career. So if we've got just one goal and we get it, we've ignored the other 11 areas that matter. So we need holistic happiness. I feel that mm-hmm. I'm the happiest when I have a goal or something that I'm working towards. Otherwise, I get bored. And when I'm bored, I get a little down. Or when I feel lonely, like I'm just readjusting because I moved into this new place and I'm on my own again and I feel like sometimes I look around like I'm a little bored I might feel a little down right now but really like I mean I can just walk out the door and go to the store and it'll change my mood I can go shopping having a goal interact with people right having goals goals where I can make more money or something like that you know that would make me really happy (laughs) but part of it for you Laura is you've got great self-confidence and great self-worth I do I do so you trust yourself to set goals for you goals are fun for others if they don't have, you know, if a listener is listening right now and you don't have the self-confidence and your relationship to goals is that you suck at accomplishing them and you feel like a daily failure, goals aren't fun for some people. And so happiness, having happiness, it's not a destination, it's a state. It's not as simple as just choose happy, but it is a decision to to become a person of happiness. Well, you know, some people put up these blocks. It's like they can't get to a certain place. Like It's like something's stopping you. We and call it your having level. And so... What can we say about that? Having? Your having, having level. Oh. So when I Googled this beautiful lady beside me, because I am... A, did you Google me? I already knew She's you. She's talking about Joan, by the way. <laughs> so I did read your website, Laura. But I thought, I'm a terrible human. I have never watched the show. I and Googled that's her. okay. That's okay. <laughs> and you said something amazing. In the first clip I saw, I never 
pictured myself having this life. And so our having level can change, right? Mm -hmm. It's the container of what we're okay with receiving, how much abundance, how much happiness, how much health, how much beauty, how much love. And if our having level is very small, we will have very little. So everybody always wants to get to their happy place, but it's the how. Mm -hmm. How do people become happier people? Awesome question, because telling someone to get happy is like telling someone to forgive and just get over it. Well, maybe you have different (laughs) advice than I would give, but I always give people the advice uh, that they should be working out, they should be doing more of what makes them feel good, they should be eating healthier, because those things all make me feel good. It's having goals, it's it's achieving those goals. So what, what do you have to say about it? Your advice is good, Laura, because that covers two out of the 12 areas that make up our happiness, your health and your body, and those things contribute to your mental health. I actually teach people a new acronym for PTSD. I'm sure you ladies know PTSD Mm -hmm. as post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Let's rename it. Here's what happy people do. P stands for prioritize. T stands for take it seriously. S is to schedule it. And D is to deal with and get done with overwhelm. So happy people actually do specific things to get this way. To prioritize it, you got to start by looking at all those life areas that do affect your happiness and consider how are they for you now? And how would you rather be in those areas and what can be done about it? But the most important question is what can you and what will you do about it just tomorrow? Taking it seriously means putting you and your happiness first in your schedule. So when we schedule for happiness, we are not looking at the work day and the chores and then seeing if there's time for yoga class Mm -hmm. or meditation or sex or date night. We're putting those things in first because you matter. And dealing with overwhelm is massive. Whether the clutter is in your mind, it's in your physical space, or it's in some messy relationships, it's got to get dealt with in order to have space for happiness. So it seems to me that people... Joan, we need to take a break. Oh, dear. Okay. You... Remember this question. Okay, I got it. Stay with us. We have an important question coming up on the Dating and Relationship Show. We're talking about how to pursue your the ultimate happiness. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Joan Kelly Walker. Of course, I'm here today with Laura Bellotter, your host. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And our guest today is Haley, who is a happiness coach. Thank you, Joan. She sure that's, that's another question. How do you get to be a happiness coach? Uh, <laughs> but before the break, we were talking about something really important about, uh, you know, the how. How do you become a happier person? Things like going to the gym and, and all those things. But it seems like people have to have a very strong sense of awareness about their life and their shortcomings. But what about these people that just continually self-sabotage themselves and they may or may not recognize it? That, is that like, is that too far gone to apply these principles or do they we're need never, more? We're never too far gone. Um, one of my colleagues suffered from schizoaffective disorder and she describes herself as being barefoot and manic in the streets at 20. 
But she then got the right help and she went to school. She became a clinical psychologist. She has a boyfriend who she lives with. She's a fully functioning adult who's reclaimed her happy. And her happy may be at a different level than someone who doesn't have the challenges she has. But I don't believe we're ever too far gone. Mm. I think too, we have to go easier on ourselves. I think a lot of us are just striving for perfection. That is the... That is the opposite of happiness. Yeah, we all yeah. tend to work so much and, and feel like if we don't get something done that day, then it was a waste of the day. You know, they, yeah. we weren't productive yeah. and then we can get down on ourselves. Yeah, people need to not compare themselves to everybody else. But that's really yes. difficult to do, I think. Yeah. But it's, you but know, it's, back to your point on self serving. It's in a world of social media. Hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put your phone down sometimes. Don't always go on there if it makes you feel bad. And, and judgments and comparisons are part of where our self-sabotage comes from, but mostly it comes from our sets of stories and beliefs. If you could imagine that in your mind there's a, a round table and it's the board of directors of Laura, Joan, or Haley. On that table sits every past version of you, the little girl you, the elementary school you who got made fun of on show and tell, the girl who first got written about in a bathroom wall or got bullied in high school, the age you were when you first had your heart broken or when you had your first financial bump in the road. And it's all of the memories of the stuff we went through that we don't have closure from that formulates our beliefs about self men, money, the world, and that's where our self-sabotage comes from. And that's why it's Mm -hmm. important to be accepting and at peace with your past because our past tends to haunt us and dictate our future. And it's not fair to you, nor is it fair to the next person you want to be in relationship with if we're living in the past. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thinking about my friend Ben who committed suicide, tragically, but he didn't seem like a really unhappy person. We knew that he was struggling, but you know, you hear it all too often. Oh, if I had only known. How do you know and how do you help people? Subtle signs, I think. You know, when somebody decides to take their life, if they are very sure in their decision, they will do everything in their power for you not to know. They will write a letter that will be mailed to you three weeks after so you can't stop them. Mm. But if someone is showing signs, they do want you to know and they do want help. And obvious signs are when people pull back from social activities. If you have a friend who's normally a yes when you text them to say, hey, we're all going out, and you haven't seen them in a while, if they are not participating, if they fall off social media, just when they're normal downgrades, that's a good time to start getting worried and just pop by, see how they're doing. Hmm. Okay, so this is the dating and relationship show. So let's talk about relationships okay. now. Perfect. <laughs> Your specialty, right? So yes. okay, how can we be happier in our relationship? I'm so glad you asked, Laura. <laughs> That's like an eargasm for me to talk about that. Um, first of all, it takes one before it takes two. So... If you've got the notion that you can be miserably unhappy and your next partner is going to fill your empty cup and together your two empty selves are going to make this great relationship, sorry to shatter the ideal. Uh, If you want to be happier in a relationship, you've got to be happier in yourself. Two whole and complete people coming together in relationships where they can enrich each other's lives and add to the experience and have an interdependent relationship, that can be beautiful. What's ugly every time is when two broken and empty and resentful people get together and say, I'm going to, like a vampire, take all your good energy and hope it fills me up. And then you're going to want all my good energy. 
We can't fill each other's cup for happiness. We can fill each other's cup for love, but happiness is our own project. So I guess next time that relationship doesn't work out with that person who's broken, they did you a favor. Well, you also chose each other. So what's still broken about you that has broken people choose you or has you choose broken people? Yeah, let's talk about that. But we need to talk about that when we come back from the break. (laughs) Why are we broken? (laughs) We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night and you're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show. Thank you everybody for tuning in this week and every other week. Uh, Tonight we are discussing ways to um, increase our happiness within our relationships and within ourselves. Haley Patry is here. She's a true happiness coach. And Joan Kelly Walker from The Real Housewives is also sitting in with me tonight. Uh, So Haley, before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, when you're dating someone and they need to be fixed. Mm. We almost have to look within ourselves and realize okay why are we uh, attracting these people and why are we dating people that we want to fix what is wrong with us (laughs) first of all we're all beautiful and wonderful and perfect as we are but what appears to be the challenge with us is we choose to date who's a match for our self-worth at the time and if you've ever kissed a frog or a few and you look back at your younger self and say I can't believe I dated that person You know, the younger version of us didn't have the personal growth we've had. It didn't have the wisdom we had. And if the current you is, as you know, recently kissed a frog, sometimes we start to get antsy. We start to let the time clock or our desire to have a partner lower our standards. When it comes to fixing people, if we're at all self-conscious, dating someone who seems a little bit broken feels like an insurance policy. They really, really need you. They can't do better than you. They're not likely to leave you. It's also super fun to fix them instead of confront your own inner demons and do the deep work and fix what's not right in yourself. Okay, but I'm going to be a devil's advocate here. What if when you meet this person, you don't know that they have issues? They seem quite normal and and, until, you know, maybe the three-month mark. And then... You're all, I think you're that happens there's, all there's the a time. bit of a, yeah, yeah there's a bit of an attachment there well and people wear their best behavior dating mask yeah. and they put out what they okay, want but, you to see but you know well you said you have good sex with your husband so you know what it's like to have good chemistry with someone and yeah. that just doesn't happen all the time especially if you're out there in the dating world it's really difficult to find someone that you have that chemistry with so I think sometimes you just want to help the person because you you really do want the relationship to work because you think okay well the chemistry is amazing and we're very compatible, but there is this issue. Support and if it only you? can be a little different, or if he could only, f- if I can only fix him, then yeah. it m- make him see that not everybody's bad. Or so the difference, the healthy differentiator is if somebody is working on themselves and just wants you to support them. Support is healthy. Fix is unhealthy. Fix means I see you as broken. And I'm going to get a rise out of making you better. It's going to be a little ego boost for me that I got to be the one that fixed you. It also has us be a little bit of a martyr and feel like, well, look at me. I'm the one who's, who's like 
the good one in this relationship and you've got all the issues, if I fix you, you'll really, really love me and you'll be so grateful and you won't want to leave me. And so we do the fixing from a subconscious place. It's not like we consciously say, hey, I want to meet someone who's a bit of a rough around the edges project. I think it'd be really fun to date someone who doesn't have their crap together. We don't do it on purpose consciously, but there is a part of us our subconscious mind, if we still have some things that need to be worked on, it'll keep choosing the project. In your case, Laura, when you get the chance to see someone under their mask, that's the test moment to say, ah, okay, not what I thought. Time Gotta for me to go. go. We can be friends, but this doesn't want to, this, this doesn't work for me. I think it's worse to not want to, like, you're just not engaged. Like, you know, fixing is one thing, and that's probably like a negative word. Yeah. But if you don't want to, work with them for changes that's that's like a <clears throat> negative right okay yes. so what if you're dating then what's someone? the point you're just complacent <laughs> yeah okay go. okay so what if you're dating someone and they have challenges with anxiety or depression beautiful and i'm so glad you asked that because and is, is that like i mean am i going to be trying to fix the person now or is that something different no that's a it's, it's a beautiful question and it's so important because here in ontario where this show is filmed by the age of 40 half of our population has battled half, some form half, half. and that's wow. only the half that have reported it half of us as adults and half some of battled. us don't even know what it is or what's happening to us right mm-hmm. depression anxiety or addiction and so it's very important in relationships i look at someone's mental health like their physical health If you come into a relationship with me and you've got cancer or diabetes or depression or anxiety, I just want to see that you're working on you. You've got a great care team. You're doing everything responsible you can to be well. And I'm not going to judge you for what you've got, but I will judge you if you don't look after yourself with what you've got. I love that. Mm -hmm. And depression's like that. So if you're dating, if you're out there dating, and you're either the person who's got the depression or anxiety or somebody you're dating is about to tell you that they do, look for the responsible behavior, look for the hope, look for what's being done about it, look how they're managing it. And if they're managing it to their most responsible level, that's okay, we can we can play at this. It's where people aren't taking responsibility, aren't managing it, that's where I'd say start running. Okay, Haley, uh, well, I, I did ask this question a while ago, I don't know what happened to it, but... <laughs> <laughs> We're just having a grand old time here. So how can we be happier in our relationships? Let's get back to that. <laughs> Woo! Beautiful question. Okay. Number one, we can be happy in our in our relationships by being first happier in ourselves. But now let's assume we're happy, we're in the relationship, and it's not going so well. There are six secret skills of happy couples. Ooh. Without them, love is tough. I got my pen in hand. <laughs> You've only okay. got about 30 seconds before I'm going to rhyme them off fast. Well, no, you don't have to. I mean, we can take our time and then come back to it after break. Okay. But go ahead. Continue. Start. So the six secrets of happy couples, they're totally learnable. Number one, if you want to be happier in, re- in your relationship, you got to know how to negotiate and ask for your needs to be met. Number two, you're going to need to know how to clean things up when they've gone badly and learn the perfect apology. Number three, you're going to learn how to master quality time. There's the difference between being together and being together where it ups your connection. Put your phones away. (laughs) Yes, eye contact. Uh, Number four, the art of a heart-to-heart conversation. How do you talk to cause connection versus cause distance? Number five, sex, physical touch, intimacy. That whole can of worms is a skill set, and there's a lot that can be done to make it healthy. Footsies on the couch. Yes. And number six, (laughs) dating each other. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to date your mate forever, every week, forever and ever. Well, sometimes it can't be every week, but maybe once a month. 
It can be every week if you get creative, whether it's showering together in the morning. You know, dating each other is alone time. And coming from someone who's got three little kids, we've been doing it every week for 10 years. We gotta go, we gotta take a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating Relationship Show. I'm Joan Kelly Walker. Happy to be here with you tonight, Laura. You know, I'm so happy now. This is wonderful. And we're here with happiness coach Haley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Right before the break, we were talking about the six secrets of happy couples. And I had my pen in hand. And you said that date night is Mm -hmm. really crucial. Yes. Yes, and wow. you know what? I hear uh, complaints all the time from couples saying we don't have time. It's weekly. Forget it. I have little kids at home. We don't even have time for ourselves. How do we time have time for each other? Yeah. So Haley, you have three little ones at home. How do I you make sure it work? Do. And do you, I do you run make time for a very busy uh, career. Do you we make time for date do. night once a week? Every week what since our kids like were one week old. Wow. You I'm guys gonna, like each other. I love that. <laughs> I really love him. He's my husband upgrade. Husband number two and forever. So, okay, first of all, in order to make time for date night, this How comes back. How do you back. even find number one? <laughs> oh, you don't want to find my number one, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to find your like number one. How do I find my number one? <laughs> well, that's a whole other conversation. You have okay. to have me back on the show. Okay. <laughs> So to make time for dating your sweetheart, it comes down to how you schedule your life. Priority number one is you. Priority number two is your love life. Priority number three is what makes you happy. Priority number four is when you make your money or your contribution or run your family or your home. And if there's any white space left, that's when we do chores and those mundane things or enjoy silence. So it is a BS lie that we don't have time for our relationships. It's that we've put them last on the list. We schedule everything else. And then if our spouse says, um, can I touch you tonight? We go, oh, I don't have time for that. That's impossible in your world <laughs> if it's you the second thing you put into your calendar. So if I showed you my calendar, my Google alert goes off every night at 9 p.m. with three pink hearts. And that's where I'm hoping we're both going to have no clothes on. We commit to time together every evening. I, I remember, Laura, when I'm my... I'm thinking about you tonight. o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> When my when my middle son was born, he was one week old, and we would have the grandparents come and babysit. I would breastfeed. We'd go on a two-hour date. We'd come back. I'd nurse again, and we could go out for coffee and dessert. It's about deciding that it's important. See, studies show that couples who date each other once a week are three and a half times happier than couples that don't. And it doesn't have to be a Saturday night. Ours is Mondays. It also doesn't have to be at night. It could be Sunday morning from 9 to 12. It's just about finding that time where you're not talking about the kids, if you have any. You're not talking about work. And you're doing more than just going to a new restaurant, chewing food, and trying some wine. Or you can find Mm -hmm. a new activity to do together. Yes. Go to yoga together. There's so many things. Go play bingo together. Indoor mini <laughs> glow in the dark golfing. I, I mean, if you name it, we've tried it. 10 years of dating is 520 Monday dates. <laughs> but you've tried everything. Yeah. Now, what we just want to do is tell the babysitter, take the kids to the basement. We're going to hide upstairs. <laughs> oh. Okay. Let's talk about forgiveness because uh, forgiveness is so important in, or, in order to, for us to move forward in our lives. It sure is. Um, and how can non forgiveness affect our, our own happiness and our own relationships? 
there's so many myths around forgiveness and we struggle with it because there hasn't been a good way to do it until radical forgiveness came out. So if you just tell people, let bygones be bygones, get over it, that's the same as saying, just be happy. It's still there. Yeah, just yeah. walk past. It's not t- teaching people how. So when we're in a state of non-forgiveness, the issues live in our tissues. That stuff ferments over time and makes us physically ill. It also lets the person that you're mad at live rent-free in your head and your heart. And they might not even know anything about it. It's only affecting you. So it's bad enough that someone did something not great that you're hurting over they're fine now and you're still hurting or stewing about it. So non-forgiveness will put uh, a a wrench in your own happiness. Non-forgiveness will also have you treat the current or next person you date for the previous person's sins. I can't stand that. And it's a recipe for disaster. Here's an example. If the person was cheated on in their past. Yeah, I was going to use the same one. Mm -hmm. And they're dating you and you would never in a million years cheat on them. You have no intention. And they ask you every day, where were you? I, I, I think you're lying to me. Let me see your phone. Eventually, you're going to feel like saying, look, if you're accusing me of it anyways, I might as well start doing it. So when we use the past to punish the next person, we make things go badly. Or sometimes they try to get into your phone. Yeah. And that's when it's time I for them to go. I can honestly <laughs> say I've never asked to see my husband's phone or my kid's phone. I'm high-fiving you, John. Thank you. That is awesome. I've never, ever. <laughs> I don't think I've ever I would ever come asked. right out and ask him. Like, if I had a question, if I was concerned about something, I would just ask him. Beautiful. Which, you know, I don't want to nag him either, but I would never go into his phone. Don, you're a very, very good man. Okay, one more question <laughs> before we have to go. What can we do to forgive and get closure from all hurts? I'm so glad we you have 30 asked. 30 seconds. Write these letters down. It's the acronym Tough Cry, but it's spelled badly. T-F-C-R-I. T, tell the story. F, feel the feelings. Get them out of your system. C, collapse the story. Start to look at the person who hurt you and why they might be a few levels short of being able to make good decisions. Mm. Number four, the R, is reframe the story. Find the good news in this horrible thing you went through. And the last letter, I, integrate the new story. And I'm going to give you the best proof right here. When I told the story of my rape and I felt those feelings and released it, I collapsed what might have happened to the rapist as to why he could have been someone who hurt so much that he could do so much hurting. I then found the good news, which is it allows me to help others. And now you can tell it in one sentence. I'm grateful for having gone through it and there's nothing left to forgive. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's awesome. Uh, If you want to download this episode or any other episode, you can go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes because there's a lot of good information on the show. How do people get a hold of you quickly? So, Laura, I'm a crazy girl who gives out her real confidential cell phone number. And they can text 416-797-5856 for a 30-minute complimentary chat to get more happy in their life. And folks, you ain't getting my phone number. Joan, how do we find you? (laughs) I'm on Instagram, Joan Kelly Walker Official. And I'm official Laura Balot on Instagram as well, well as the Dating and Relationship Show on Instagram. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week, ciao. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.